Welcome to another episode of the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News staff writer Amanda Buckle, and I'm here with my new co-host, Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. Thank you, Amanda, and I'm happy to be here. Well, this week's episode is once again brought to you by Erner Berry's Comtel. Comtel specializes in the timely, accurate, and unbiased reporting of markets to clients in the poultry, egg, meat, seafood, and related segments of the food industry. Be sure to download the brand new Comtel app on the App Store for iOS and Google Play for Android. Now, Lauren's going to take things away with some news from her markets. All right. Thank you, Amanda. The ground fish markets are continuing to demand premiums as prices for cod, haddock, and pollock have steadily strengthened over the past few months. This is all due to an overall shortage of whitefish, causing upwards pressure in the market. A few contributing factors are the sales of finished products. So a few contributing factors are the sales of finished products, where these types of fish are used as raw materials, are doing very well. There's also a push to eat more seafood in the Western world, and rising income levels in Southeast Asia, driven primarily by the middle class, are spending their money on higher-priced imported fish. So overall, it's your basic supply and demand scenario. We've got a rise in demand, and the supply coming into the market is stable or declining. Awesome. Thanks, Lauren. I love that Lauren's now doing the podcast with me because doing the market stuff is like never my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're an actual market reporter and you're doing the markets, might as well just have you do it. Yep. Comes easily. So I have the fun stuff like the FDA's <laughs> restaurant menu labeling requirements. I don't know if that's necessarily fun, but... I think it's pretty interesting, and uh, so, like I said, the FDA's restaurant restaurant menu labeling requirements have gone into effect. So basically, the Food and Drug Administration is now requiring chains with at least 20 or more locations. Uh, they're requiring them to include calorie counts for each menu item. And I know I said FDA restaurant menu labeling, but, um, or, I mean, we're talking like grocery stores and movie theaters, too. Basically, any, you know, sort of chain that has 20 or more locations that has a menu. Now, for some people, this might not seem like a big deal. Um, I know I was at Albies the other week to indulge in some nachos and margaritas for Cinco de Mayo. Yum. Yeah, not like the best place to go for Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> I guess, but I have like limited options for me for like Mexican food where I can also get margaritas. And I feel like if you're going to BYOB, like you can't just bring margaritas. I feel like it's like almost a Corona situation. Yeah, you yeah, know, for sure. So, so that's how I end up at Applebee's. Mm-hmm. It's important to the story. <laughs> um, but when I was there, I noticed that they had a calorie count on their menus and. I noticed it, but I actually didn't like look at what the calories were like, right. of what I was ordering. But have you actually noticed that anywhere? I have not actually noticed it locally yet. Um, but when I'm in New Jersey and I see the calorie counts, it is a bit of a buzzkill, I must say. Yeah? You're just like, is it just because you watch then what you eat? or? Well, it just makes you feel bad about what you're eating. Oh, and okay. if you have to decide if you want to go for something healthier, but not as tasty. So... Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that is the goal, I guess, of, of this new FDA rule. It's, it's to basically encourage people to eat healthier. And um, a study reported in the Journal of American Medical Association this past March, um, the study found that about 40% of U.S. adults were obese um, in 2015 to 2016. And just for a little comparison, back in 2007 to 2008, about 34% of the population was obese. And like 40%, I mean, that like seems a lot, it seems a little, a little high to me. Yeah, that that is very high. Um, but I think we are at the start of maybe a, a turning point here. Um, more and more people are interested in the nutritional content of their food, but then that puts pressure on retailers to get a little more creative on how to deliver great tasting food, but also healthy options as well. 
Oh yeah, I mean, and I mean, you've seen like the like the pokey places have popped up. I mean, yeah, the trend is definitely going towards healthier. But then at the same time, I don't know if you've seen on like social media, but there's these places that do these like monster milkshake things where yes. like they top it with like a full cake and like I know, and <laughs> I want crazy. one. It looks so good. But those you go with friends and you share, and maybe oh. you know once in a while. <laughs> well, that makes a lot more sense then. But uh, this is actually a quote from Susan Main. She's the director of FDA Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition. Susan said that for consumers who want to consume fewer calories, having calorie and other nutrition information available has the potential to save and improve lives. And now this is a test for you, Lauren, because Uh I, yeah, (laughs) oh, right. Uh, I didn't know this answer until I looked it up for the podcast, but do you know how many calories you should eat on average? How many I should eat? I would say 1,200. Okay. Okay. That's, that's very good. I feel like that's the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, you are very thin, so, (laughs) Um, but an average woman needs to eat about 2000 calories per day to maintain and 1500 calories to lose one pound of weight per week. For men, the average is 2,500 calories to maintain their weight and 2,000. get a break. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. There's, um, I was talking to somebody the other day. There used to be like a commercial on TV. It was like a cartoon diet commercial. And it showed like, it was like the woman has cut back. She hasn't, she stopped drinking soda and, you know, she lost like two pounds. And right. like the guy is like a stick figure now. Yeah. He's a job. You stop drinking soda. So yes, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, I, I, I personally don't look at calorie count. I'm semi-active and I have a mainly vegetarian diet. I know it's quite a shock on a seafood <laughs> news podcast, but I mean, I do eat seafood. You know, I sprinkle it into my diet. I had the biggest scallops of my life well, the other they night. they are plentiful right now, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and they were cheap. It was like, yeah. it was a pound of scallops. The scallops were the size of my fist, like wow. no joke. They were so good. And it was fourteen ninety nine a pound. Nice. And like yeah. when I first, like a couple years ago, that was like um one of the, the seafood meals that my husband and I would first start eating together. Mm-hmm. It was like 30 bucks a pound. It was something like ridiculous. Yeah. So, this summer will be the summer of scallops for sure. I'm for it. But anyway, I keep drifting away from this FDA <laughs> story. So, okay. So yeah, like I said, I've never really felt the need to look at calorie count, but I feel like if I went out somewhere and saw that something I was interested in ordering was like 1,500 calories, you know, or up or something, like, I don't know if I would order it. You know, like, I don't look at it, but that does seem crazy. I think it depends on the day and how I'm feeling. I said, if if it was a 1,500 calorie milkshake that you could share with people, I guess that's not the end of the world. But when you're going out for a milkshake, you just want a milkshake. Yeah, I guess guess you're going out with the intent of having more calories. (laughs) But, you know, I'm, I, th- I think that's interesting. I think it'll interest, be interesting to see if people actually monitor it. I don't know. Right, and if it'll end yeah. up changing the menus at some establishments. Yeah, so I, mean, I think it'll be hard to keep track of, of people who are actually saying, like, wow, this has helped me choose healthier options. But maybe the next time that, you know, that study takes place, maybe we'll see that the 40%, you know, obesity for Americans has dropped. Right. You know, something to keep an eye on. Um, but let's keep this healthy talk going. So our next topic, plant-based alternatives to seafood. Now, I know it seems pretty silly to be talking about fake seafood on a seafood podcast, but it's important to know about the other competitive proteins out there. Exactly. So this week, WRBM Global Food spoke to Dominique Barnes, who is one of the co-founders of New Wave Foods. And New Wave Foods started back in 2015 and created a plant-based alternative to shrimp. 
And there are quite a few other plant-based seafood alternatives out there. Um, and actually on the podcast, we've previously you know, talked about Ocean Hugger Foods. They're the creator of Ahimi, which is an alternative to raw tuna that is made out of tomatoes. But Dominique opened up to the outlet about their decision to go after shrimp first. And the decision was a pretty simple one. It's that shrimp is the most consumed seafood in the U.S. Yes. So the National Fisheries Institute released a report back in November on the top consumed seafood for 2016. According to their report, Americans ate 14.9 pounds of seafood per capita, with just over 4 pounds being attributed to shrimp consumption. Salmon trailed behind with 2.18 pounds and canned tuna with 2.1 pounds. Yes, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Like, if that's where the demand is, go for it. Uh, But Dominique went further into the reason behind their decision, and I thought her answer was pretty interesting. This is the quote that was featured in WRBM Global Food. A small percentage of the shrimp we eat is wild-caught, where they often use giant trawling nets the size of football fields that scrape the bottom of the ocean for shrimp, but also pick up everything else, from fish to dolphins, turtles, and sharks. On average, there are five pounds of bycatch for every pound of shrimp, which is not sustainable. Like I said, I thought that was interesting. And again, I know this is something that we've talked about before on the podcast, but there is not enough seafood in the ocean to feed the world. We need to look at alternatives. If there aren't certified sustainable options out there, then is this such a big deal? I mean, I don't think so. But if you're listening and you have a strong opinion on this, let us know your thoughts. (laughs) So we want to hear from you. But let's move on to our final topic of the day, which is bound to stir up some more strong feelings. A new study conducted by professors at the Stirling University in Scotland claims that farmed salmon is better than wild salmon. What? Exactly. (laughs) And before we really dive into this, I just want to say that I initially read armed salmon, (laughs) so which I think would be a total game changer for armed salmon versus wild salmon. (laughs) And so, like, imagine I was like imagining like armed salmon going after wild salmon with like guns, and it like reminded me of this. Like, I was in entertainment journalism before I got to seafood, and there was this like crazy rumor going around uh, prior to the release of Jurassic World about the Jurassic Park reboot. And um, they had, like, these sketches leaked. It was really ridiculous. These sketches leaked of these dinosaurs with, like, robotic, like, gun arms. Oh, no. They can't ruin the franchise like that. No, thank God I didn't end up in that place. But but the arm-to-salmon mistake kind of reminded me of that. Anyway... This study claims that wild salmon is less nutritious because it burns up all its good fats and oils on its long journey to spawn. And these professors studied declines in omega-3 levels in farm salmon, which is due to increased use of plant-based feeds. And of course, the reason that farms are using plant-based feeds now is because most agree that it's ridiculous to catch wild fish to feed farm fish. But the study has sparked some debate. You know, farm fish can consume more omega-3s in their diets, but it's more expensive and Overall, most people in Alaska think that the study is pretty silly. So so that's that. So let us know your thoughts if you think farmed salmon or armed salmon is better than wild salmon. That wraps up our news for today. This has been a wild journey today, I feel like. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to download the Comtel app, which is free with your subscription. Get your news and markets on the go with the Comtel app, available for download on Google Play, for Android, or the Apple App Store for iOS. 